The Detroit Tigers take two from the Kansas City Royals this weekend. Uh, first two games of the series were kind of a change of pace. The offense showed up. It looked really good. They were doing things they haven't done in a while. And then Sunday rolled around, and that all went out the window. And We kind of went back to the same old, same old Detroit Tigers, specifically their offense. So we're going to talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, September 12th, 2022. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Okay, the Detroit Tigers take two of three in Kansas City this weekend. Um, really, like I said in the cold open, man, like really, really solid first couple of games. Um, really good production out of the offense. Phenomenal offensive performances in the first two games. And, and, and it wasn't like they were doing, like you watch this offense and you were like, oh my goodness, this is some powerhouse and and look at the the pitches that were they're able to drive and and look at you know the the offensive approaches at the plate or anything like no it, it was all the same the only difference was like they were able to hit fastballs down the middle <laughs> like that, that's not that's a that's me exaggerating a little bit but like not a ton like in in actuality the the biggest thing I noticed from the first two games was that fastballs that caught a lot of the plate were actually hit hard and driven. They they timed them up really well. Uh, they timed them up not just really well in the sense of, you know, like, like driving the ball middle of the field, like timing the ball well, timing the bat path well so that the launch angle was good. And they were actually driving fastballs. It's a fascinating concept. Something we have not seen literally all year, but it's nice to finally see some offense and finally just see a team do what it's supposed to do with a weak pitching performance. Like that's that that's what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to take teams who throw a ton of fastballs that are all you know in the strike zone and catching a lot of the plate. You're supposed to dominate. And, and and golly, they, they finally did. So uh, it was a really nice change of pace. And so we're going to start with that. We're going to start with the offense in the first two games together. Then we'll go to the pitching performances in the first two games. And then we'll kind of just save Sunday for last there at the end. But um, it, it was a, a really nice change of pace. And so that was the biggest thing I noticed was just the ability to actually drive fastballs. But um, just like any mistake pitches, like, uh, again, we've, we've bailed out more pitchers this year than like I've ever seen in my life. Like that you, you could throw a fastball down the middle. You can hang a curveball belt high. You, you can do like, there, there's just, you can make as many mistakes as you want. It just doesn't matter because if it's harder than 94 miles an hour, the Tigers just aren't hitting it no matter what. So it was really nice to see the the approach at the plate at least be be executed for a change, like like actually come to fruition. It was it was very nice to watch, and there really aren't too many negatives as a whole. 
uh, on either side of the ball uh, on Friday or Saturday. I mean, you know, we, we didn't shut them out both games, but uh, well, either game 10 to two and eight to four and a game on Saturday that they probably should have called sooner. Uh, they, they really wanted to like get that game in for whatever reason, which is weird to me considering it's September and both of these teams are going to finish, you know, in last and second to last pretty comfortably in the division. So it was weird to me that they were like trying everything they could to, to push this game through. And I, I think they probably shouldn't have even made it to what a seventh, eighth inning. So probably, probably shouldn't have gone that long, but anyway, uh, it, it was, it was just really nice to, to see the, no, not have something to complain about. Like, again, it, it wasn't a, perfect there are no perfect games in baseball 27 outs have to be made right but it's uh it was just nice to at the end of the game not go well we could have done this better we could have done this better we could have done this better it was like no like that's that's pretty much as good as it's gonna get those were really really well executed games and and it was just nice to to have some comfortable wins and and have an offensive explosion a little bit 18 runs in two games it was nice it was real nice. So uh Friday, like I said, 10 to 2, Saturday, 8 to 4. Some highlights from those games. Uh Riley Green walking, getting some hits. Uh look, I I, I still believe that since he just like broke the seal and drew a walk, I think it was like two weeks ago now, two, maybe even three, three weeks ago now. He went on this huge dry spell of not drawing any walks. And then ever since he drew that walk, he's just been a changed a changed man. And uh, he's looked really solid at the plate. So like him saying in the leadoff spot, we're fighting to get to 700. If I, I would be, I know it's really arbitrary, but I, I would just I would really like him to finish with a with an OPS over 700 this year. Um, Victor Reyes, solid. Javi Baez, solid in the first two games. Harold Castro, solid. Like, everybody ate. You know what I mean? Like, Eric Haas went over on Saturday, but on Friday continued. I mean, he went, what was it, eight straight plate appearances with a hit between Thursday's – or we didn't play Thursday – between Wednesday's game and Friday's game. Um, just is absolutely the, the starting catcher on the team at this point in the season. Barnhart just – Unfortunately, uh, it has been such a liability at the plate that, you know, with how hot of a stick Haas is swinging on top of that, it's pretty much impossible to justify, you know, defense aside. Like, it's impossible to justify not giving Eric Haas a majority of the playing time behind the plate. That's just what I'm trying to say. And uh, even with, you know, Barnhart is, is better than Haas defensively, but it's not good enough. It hasn't been good enough this season to overcome uh what what their separation is offensively i hope that made sense um especially with how bad this team has been offensively this season as we know um and, and so the the cool thing also with this is that they they are playing the kids which i love we've talked about it a million times i want the kids to play as often as possible so it's really cool see you know torque in there again every day he has been swinging such a hot stick shout out spencer torgelson like the Ever since getting called back up, he, he has looked a lot better. And, and there is, like, you you watch his swing now and his swing before getting sent down. It is different. It, it is it is noticeably different. And the, 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 the bat path, I think, is, is slightly changed. Like, there's this little, uh, like, notch thing, I guess I would call it. He kind of does. And, and it's it's been working for him. And I hope it's sustainable. And 
Uh, it's it's just you know he, he's hitting the ball hard in the air to the pull side. Not everything in the air is late, and not everything that he's you know early on is on the ground. Like he he's hitting the ball in the air. He's driving the ball to center field. Like hit that absolute bomb last week. Like there to, to dead center field against the Angels. Like there is. You're, you're starting to see it. He had a triple in this one. He had a double this weekend, rather. He had a triple this weekend. He had a double this weekend. Hits in, in every game, I think. Like, he just, he's looked so, so much better. His OPS is up to 620 on the season. And I know just, like, when talking about season numbers and, like, oh, they go on a hot streak. They're up to the, you know, low 600s, I guess. But just we know that that's improvement and and that's that's why you play the kids in September because you, you want them to get at bats and see if they can iron some stuff out uh Candelario one of the only especially on on after Friday like definitely look I I think Jamie Candelario's future is really in jeopardy with this team I, I think that and I know he got hot there at the end of last week uh, for, for a little bit he had the the big home run on Friday but I, I mean Saturday right back to an offer and, and the defense has really just not been there on the season I, I get more and more convinced every day that Jamer Candelario is uh, is not going to be on this ball club next year and no longer going to be part of this organization so we'll see what happens that'll be a discussion for for the offseason but uh, definitely something to keep an eye on for um, Akil Badu with two walks I, you know, we need to see some hits. Badu's another one, a, a guy that after last season, I think most people penciled in as a really big contributor for this team and a potential starting left fielder for this team going forward, like adding a, a like a higher end prospect, basically, I think is what most of us viewed it as. as and this year has just been absolutely lost at the plate. Uh, Ryan Kreider this weekend, solid. Kerry Carpenter. This weekend had a had a really nice weekend. Um, it's always there are a few things in this planet that are more visually appealing than a fastball low and into a lefty that just gets crushed, and that is what happened with him on Saturday. Just absolutely crushed a, a baseball to right field, a nice home run. Uh, he's obviously a lefty. It was just a heater lowing in that he just turned on, and it was so nice to see. It's just, again, so nice to watch these dudes actually just take advantage of hittable pitches, <laughs> like as, as sad as that sounds. And and so for a couple of days, we got that, and it was really nice. Okay, let's go on to the pitching in the first two games of the series, and then we'll get to Sunday's letdown after uh, getting excited after Friday and Saturday. But first... I got to tell you all about our friends over at LinkedIn Talent Solutions. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questioning make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Twice why small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires first leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. 
Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Well, now you do. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody. We are back here for segment two of Locked on Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Okay, let's get to the pitching performances in these games. Uh, two pretty uh, not interesting. Definitely two pitchers that looking ahead to the remainder of the season, the last three weeks here as we get to the to the home stretch, pun intended. Um, definitely two of the, the more intriguing pitchers that people are going to continuously have their eye on. Um, as far as you know that uh, that audition for next season and, and really help determine what's going to happen uh, this offseason and and what we roll with pitching wise heading into camp next year. Uh, so for starters, let's start with Joey Wentz. Really cool story, just because this is his hometown, right? So doing, and I know they talked about it on the broadcast a million times, so we don't really need to rehash that. But first major league win, almost goes seven innings of shutout ball against the Kansas City Royals, grew up uh, down the road, went to high school down the road, family and friends all in the crowd, super cool moment. How can you not be romantic about baseball? But um, he, w- he, was, he was great, and this was a master class of missing barrels, and we've talked about it so much. We'll talk about it when we get to Sunday's game because one of the <laughs> pitchers who for a lot of the season was really good at missing barrels was not good at that on Sunday, um, but – Joey Wentz was 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 fantastic, and and you know the the thing with him was he was able to get swings and misses on some secondary pitches as well. It wasn't just strictly okay. I want to pitch to soft contact and and see how this goes. Like he, he, I mean, he had five strikeouts, only one walk, two hits, and no earned runs in six and two thirds. Just a phenomenal line. Um, he ended with ten whiffs, which is, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, maybe a little low, but. Four whiffs on the four-seam fastball, which he threw a ton. That's kind of expected because he threw the four-seam 63% of the time. But the really cool number is he threw the cutter 19 times. It was his second most thrown pitch, and it was only thrown 22% of the time. Uh, But he had four whiffs on the cutter. So as many whiffs on the cutter as he did on the four-seam, even though he threw it, what, 46 less times? That was horrible math. 36 less times. Goodness gracious. Um, so really, really good to see. I thought the cutter was very effective. It was a really good setup pitch. Uh, it was a really good non hard. I, there wasn't a single barreled cutter the, the entire game. He kept it really soft. Um, it was just, I think there was only one or two barreled four seam fastballs and, and that was like it for the game. Like he really did it. The average exit velocity for this outing was 79.6 miles an hour. That is sensational. That is a very good number. He got one ball that was crushed at 109. And besides that, it was almost all no barrels, right? Like almost all sub 95 and, and honestly, almost all sub 90. He didn't have a single secondary pitch, right? So if you just look at outside of the four seam fastball, the cutter, the curveball, and the changeup through the cutter 19 times, the curveball eight times, the changeup five times, quite literally zero balls hit over 90 miles an hour nonetheless 95 for those three pitches combined the placement was really effective I think that's another reason why he was doing really well 
Uh, and he used the fastball as a setup pitch. And we've seen this so many times in th- this season. It's one of the things that that makes Chris Fetter so great, I think. But I think the next step is continuing to use the four seam as a setup pitch. That's beautiful. That's great. We, we love to see that. And also, he wasn't afraid to throw the fastball high. Like the, a few, several of his whiffs were on fastballs up in the zone, and they were kind of like, you know, screw you fastballs. Like they were, they were really nice and topped out at, at 95 miles an hour a couple of times when he went up in the zone. Like it was, it was a really, really fun outing um, for, for Joey Wentz on Friday. So uh, I, I, I loved it. And the next step for him, is to then use that setup four seam fastball to then go to have a primary secondary pitch where he can go to tunnel it with said four seam and then just be a whiff machine and like that's the that's the next step is being able to keep that fastball command in a good spot and, and keep the fastball command uh, as a whole good enough to where he can continue using it as a setup pitch and then have either the I don't care if it's the cutter the curveball the changeup I don't care but one of those. He, he then tunnels and, you know, kind of does the Joe Jimenez thing before a full outing. But he, and he has, you know, three or four more pitches. That wasn't really a great comparison now that I'm thinking about it. But it kind of ish, you know, you could pretend it is. Um, I, I just think I think that's the next step for him. So masterclass performance by Joey Wentz. Um, Jose Cisnero also pitched on Friday. Uh, he pitched one out. He was fine. And then Daniel Norris kind of was just in the mop up role. Daniel Norris is not going to be on this team next year. It was a cool story for him to come back and uh you know like see everybody again and and I, like I love Daniel Norris who doesn't and he's a great dude um and and you know dealt with a lot as a professional but uh I mean th- this is like he was in there just because he could eat innings and and get in a blowout you know prevent having to throw a position player out there and uh just eat some innings there at the end and get some experience so um I I I don't know about you know minor league deal whatnot but he's he's not going to be on the opening day roster next season that's for sure um, so yeah, just all, all the issues that were there with Daniel Norris uh, from a baseball perspective before we traded him are still very much prevalent now. Like nothing's really changed. It's the same dude. So that's why I say that. Um, then looking at Saturday, we have a Matt Manning start. Those are always the talk of the town. Look, I, I thought this was a pretty solid performance and, and it wasn't, as good it it falls somewhere in between like his last three outings and then his first three outings after coming back from injury right like his first three outings after coming off the il we were like oh my goodness like he's here he's him everything is is great he looks fantastic and then the last two or three outings we've been like oh my goodness that he he's really you know stuff's hitting the fan this is really not effective uh, and he needs to kind of get back in the lab lab and figure some stuff out because he has been wildly ineffective his last few outings. This one I, I thought was somewhere in between that. Um, his, his final line was six and a third, three hits, two earned runs, three total runs, one walk, and four Ks. Um, this was, if you remember last season with Matt Manning, I don't know, you know, everybody – has been listening to, to this for a different amount of time. But um, if you were a listener of the show last year, or if, if you just watched with your own eyes uh, last season, Matt Manning last year was very big on, I'm just going to throw a ton of fastballs and kind of hope for the best almost. Not really hope for the best, but like I just, he didn't want to beat himself. And we've talked about this a ton with the Fetter mentality and the Fetter 
stages in development. It's almost like he took a step back and not took a step back in his development, but just took a step back in the sense that he, he, he went, you know what? The off-speed stuff lately has not been working very well. I've been all over the place. I've had pretty much no command to speak of for the last couple of outings. I need to take a step back, go back to the fundamentals, and go back to, to what the the maybe earlier steps of Fetter's steps in development are. And that's you are going to pound the strike zone with fastballs and you are going to make the offense beat you. And against a really, really poor offense, in the Kansas City Royals, he was able to do that and be effective. And that is what happened. Like the average exit velocity was 91 miles an hour. He, he didn't, he, he had seven whiffs in over six innings. All right. Like he, he was pitching in the seventh and only had seven whiffs. Um, his CSW percentage was 21%. That That's not, you know, fantastic. Uh, it's, it's not, not terrible, but it, it's not, oh my goodness, that, that it's like below average. So, um, Look, it, it it's just uh, it's a a a a step back, kind of a re a regroup, a, a regathering performance from him, and I think that it, it I think it could benefit him. I, I like I like the game plan. I like going back. He threw fifty seven percent of his pitches were four seam fastballs, and yet he threw five registered pitches. He he didn't he he threw ninety four pitches. The, the most he threw besides his four-seam fastball with his changeup, and it was only 13 of 94. Like, he, he just didn't throw too many secondary pitches. And uh, you know what? The average, like I said, the average exit velocity was 91. He only gave up three hits. They were hitting the ball onto the ground. Might as well just pound the strike zone with, with fastballs, gain some confidence back, realize that your fastball isn't a bad pitch. Right. Like, you know, that 93, but tops out at 96, sometimes randomly fastball that he has can can be effective. And and uh, teams that aren't great offensively, if he's locating it well, he, he can take advantage and just have a nice cool outing where he just throws kind of the same pitch over and over. And that's kind of what he did. So wasn't a stellar outing by any stretch. And we kind of went back to to the early stages in development. But I think that might have been needed to kind of regroup and regather himself. So. Uh, hopefully his next outing, we can just get back to where we were for the first three outings after he came off the IL because we were starting to see some significant signs of improvement before uh, he started struggling a few outings ago. So, um, and then Andrew Chafin pitched the only other pitcher to pitch on Saturday before the, uh, the rain caught up to us there. Uh, and, and he was, he gave up an unearned run. Uh, that's been the story of the season. We have a lot of unearned runs. We love making errors. So, not too terribly, I guess, surprising, I guess is the word. I don't know. Sure. Uh, I, I guess that's a few outings in a row where Chafin's been, you know, giving up some base runners, but he is like 500 on my list of concerns going into next season. I, he is not even close to the top of my priority list of, uh, of, of things I'm looking for in September to look for next year. And he shouldn't be high on yours either. Andrew Chafin is fine. He's good. Okay. Let's get to Sunday uh, right after this. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. Uh, Tigers drop Sunday's game by a score of four to nothing to the Kansas City Royals. Uh, this was just going right back to the well, man. This was 
a Brady Singer has absolutely dominated you in your in his career. That's just objectively true. He has dominated you. And look, like I, I like Brady Singer. He's got a nice sinker. Uh, he can pair it with the uh, the slider pretty well, right? But there's there's really no excuse for this. There's really no excuse to get dominated kind of this badly by Brady Singer. Like he he's had a solid year, and and this offense is historically terrible, even more so on the road than they already are at home. Like this is this is par for the course. This this is not like a I, I'm, you know, furious and, and whatever. Like, this is very expected. This is not the least surprising thing ever. Um, but it, it just – you're going to have to figure out how to hit him at some point because he's in your division, and that's just how it works, okay? <laughs> you're going to have to figure it out. So, uh, a, a really, I mean, great performance by him. He, he His arm slot and the way he, he throws the sinker slider together is just uber effective, and, uh, and when, again, when you have a team that can't hit straight fastballs consistently, nonetheless, sinkers that kind of, you know, roll downhill like that and, and might bite at the end that, that are going 94, 95 miles an hour, you're not going to have a recipe for success more times than not. So I think that's why he's so effective against us. We just kind of pound the ball into the dirt, uh, pretty much all game for seven innings. Every time he takes them out against us, um, offensively. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just said offensively, even though I was explaining the offense, I mean, it was, it was back to, you know, back to the old me (laughs) right back where we started. It's just, that's been the story of the season. We just, you know, we, we have, uh, a couple of games that maybe give us hope and then boom, the next week is just right back to, to what we're used to. Nobody was really effective. Uh, another reason that I thought on, Friday and Saturday that this team was really good offensively was they had a much more professional approach. They were, they were taking pitches out of the strike zone. They were trying to draw walks and, and just get people on base. Uh, and, and while that, that just went out the window uh, on Sunday, they drew one walk. Kerry Carpenter had the only walk on Sunday's game uh, during Lions football. And yeah, that, that was it. The only person that I think still looked pretty solid on Sunday was Spencer Torkelson. I was still very impressed. He had a hard hit double there down the third base line on Sunday. And uh, he continues to look pretty pretty solid solid enough at first base defensively. But I, I just, uh, I'm really impressed with his approach at the plate so far since getting called back up. And I'm not going to make any, any brash judgments. I, I don't even know if by the end of the season, my, my mindset on where I think Torgelson is at. And, and we'll get to all that. Like I said, we're going to do deep dives on every player when the season ends. Um, so I, I'm not even sure that really changes my like season out. Uh, it'll change my season outlook uh, if he can be good the rest of September. But um, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to get moved over a hot weekend or, or a, a hot week, right? Week, week and a half since he's gotten called up. I'm going to need him to be really solid for, the remainder of September and, and keep hitting hittable pitches and stuff for me to start being like, okay, like we're actually taking strides here. And this isn't just like a flash in the pan hot streak. Like we're actually seeing him make adjustments and, and really come through there. So not going to make any judgments there yet. Uh, but, but he was really one of the only bright spots in in my opinion, offensively, probably the only bright spot offensively on Sunday's game. Um, and I think that's probably it for the offense pitching wise. Tyler Alexander started in this one. His ERA is now five three five. 
look, I, I don't know why there was a, a, a like camp of people that were big on Tyler Alexander, you know, might maybe is a starter in next year's rotation. I, I, I everybody knows and, and has known my opinion of Tyler Alexander for the better part of a year now. Um, I, I think he's very effective and, and a long reliever and spot starter role where if you need to give someone a day off, if someone gets hurt, he can slide into your rotation. But you don't go into opening day with Tyler Alexander as part of your rotation. And uh, this is kind of why, like, I, I don't want to just like pinpoint and, and hold up his a poor box score and be like, this is why, like, you know, the, the dude I, I think is can be very valuable on a major league roster. And I, and I hope he's on the team next year. Like he he's, he has a spot. And I think that uh, when, when he executes that role that I was talking about earlier, well, that, that he can be really effective and really valuable to, to this team. Um, but it's, you know, the first few starts when he gets in the rotation, he's pitching every fifth day. You're like, Hey, this isn't bad. And then by the fourth, fifth, sixth start, you're like, okay, I'm, I, you know, that this is not a long-term solution anymore. And that's just the, the, the Tyler Alexander experience. And that's why I think he can be effective kind of in that role that, that he was supposed to have this year. But again, we've had so many injuries that he's kind of had to slide in there and, and, and be, um, I don't want to say over his head because he loves starting and, and wants to be in that moment, but uh, has definitely been a bigger role than was originally carved out for him. That That's just objectively true. So uh, I don't even have really too much to say. Like the, the cutter that is usually his go-to barrel missing pitch when he is on um, just was not that effective. Eight, put in play eight times. Uh, got cranked a couple of times. The four-seam fastball was really the worst part of it. Um, the the four-seam fastball was crushed twice, uh, two, three times. Uh, just not a very effective outing. Uh, the five whiffs, you know, not not swing and miss stuff. He's never had swing and miss stuff, even when his outings were good. And uh, wasn't able to to miss barrels enough to really settle himself in and and really ever be on top of this outing from jump. So, uh, yeah, that's really I don't have too much in-depth analysis there. It's just kind of we, we've been talking about him and and where he currently stands with the team. And I don't think that changed. Uh, Alex Lang went sinker heavy instead of curveball heavy in this one. Again, that's like two or three outings in a row. We, we kind of talked about it last week. I was like, hey, he used to just be like, I'm just going to th- go throw this curveball because nobody can hit it. Uh, and then the sinker if I need to. And now the last few starts, he's been a lot more sinker heavy. I think that might just be because he's been struggling and is trying something new. Uh, sinker gives you a little bit more command than the curveball, but really all of his pitches move so much that uh, he's going to have to to really um, hone in and, and just work on command period with all of them because uh, he doesn't really have a straight pitch, which is a blessing and a curse in that regard to somebody who has command problems. Joe Jimenez looked absolutely sensational, one of the bright spots of this team, and uh, will definitely be someone that I think has earned a, a bigger role next season and maybe for the remainder of this season too. Then Gregory Soto pitches in this one as well. Um, gives up a hit, but a couple of strikeouts. No walks in this one. Woo. We'll, we'll take it. And really kind of spread out the – pitches in his too he threw 13 pitches five four seams four sliders four sinkers usually we're 
like 95% sinker and then like maybe a four seam or a slider mixed in there. So kind of interesting to see that too. I'm, I'm wondering if that's a theme throughout the entire bullpen to kind of change up the pitch mix as we close out the season here or what, but that's pretty much all I got for you. Um, you know, just, we're not going to get too high with the highs anymore. Like we're not, I'm not going to freak out and be like, Oh my goodness, this offense finally decided to show up. Like we could win out and we wouldn't go 500. Like it's this, this offense is, is beyond repair for this season. That's why, again, I'm going to keep driving home. Please start the kids. Please start the rookies. Um, you have nothing to lose, and I don't need to see a lot of these non-rookies take at-bats anymore. Really, I don't. I, I'm, I'm pretty much out on Jamer already. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to jump to any conclusions. And, like, if they do bring him back, you know, the, the, he, he's had a couple of decent seasons that you can point to and be like, hey, like, maybe we can get this back. But um, I would rather see Ryan Kreidler at either second or third base every night than Jonathan Scope or Jamer Candelario. One of those two can take a night off every single game for all I care and give Ryan Kreidler uh, a starting spot there for every game the remainder of the season. Uh, Kerry Carpenter, I think, should be in left field every single day the rest of the season. Spencer Torkelson should be at first base every single day the rest of the season. Um, it, it's just, and the pitching, we know Joey Wentz is in the rotation. Now he's going to get some opportunities that this is what September is for. So let's just keep riding it. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's it. Thanks for making lockdown tigers. Your first listen every day. I'll make your second listen to lockdown MLB podcast. MLB expert, Paul Francis Sullivan and brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked on MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts just like us. That's it. Uh, sorry about no episode Friday. We had one. Uh, and then, like, crazy technological issues. Crazy, like, tech problems, audio problems, and everything prevented us from being able to run with it. So uh, that's, that's just out of, out of my hands, unfortunately. So I apologize for that. Uh, we'll make it up to you this week. Um, yeah. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all tomorrow, Barry. Baby. Ba- Barry? Barry? I got Barry Sanders on the mind. Lions. What do you think, man? Look, I, I, you know, the defense kind of looked like they had never seen an RPO before uh, at the beginning of the game. They got a little bit better with it in the second half. But at the end of the day, this is a team you lost to by like almost 40 points last season. And this year you lost by a field goal. You had chances to get the ball back. Uh, you, missed, you know, missed tackles um qb sneak that just you know was able to take over the edge like uh you know you you almost had the ball back with a chance to to go and win the game just couldn't get it done uh but certainly played them a lot closer and at the end of the day that like i said it's team lost to me by 40 last year but at the same time philly got even or also philly got better this offseason i think objectively so that's a good team i think i think the eagles are going to win that division honestly so uh, fought a fought a good team hard. It's the only team game we have, so I understand people's like uh, reaction or maybe overreaction to you know get starting off zero and one again. But uh, that's a that's a darn good team in Philly. So we'll we'll see what happens the rest of the season. But I'm I'm I don't know. I'm on the fence. I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm like all in either. I'm 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 definitely drinking the Kool Aid. Don't get me don't, don't get it twisted. That that's every first week. Um, that's every second weekend of September for me. I'm 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 always there, but. Um, but yeah, just, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. That's what I'll leave it at. We'll see. I'm, I'm pumped for next Sunday already. So peace and love going to therapy's dope. There's my lion's minute. I'll catch y'all then. Go Tigers, baby.